from Rixie. This is Frameform. Hello and welcome back to Frameform. Hannah, Claire, how are you doing this Wednesday? Pretty swell. I was going to say swell as hell, but can we say that on this podcast? I think that's possible. Well as hell then. (laughs) How are you doing, Jen? I am very excited for today's topic. And I know that we never want to talk about the topic right away, but... That is pretty much what I've been thinking about the past week. This is just such a niche little interest I have within general screen dance. So super excited for today. I have mainly been watching things about today's topic this week. A little bit preoccupied, (laughs) aside from the occasional audible listen. So how did you all find watching these fun little short form videos for this week's episode? I love commercials. It's actually the reason why I am in the industry because I I actually cut commercials um, as well as other things. But I love jam-packed 30-second or 15-second ads that basically sell something. <laughs> well, as I was watching this, like it was such a trip down memory lane because so many of these ads were some of them were ads I grew up on and some of them like, you know, immediately brought me back to a time like when, you know, I had an iPod mini and was, you know, dancing around to that and like, you know, making all those icons of people with the earbuds. So in a way it was a time capsule, which I think if it's a memorable ad, then that's also its function as well. I also downloaded those songs when the when iPod and iPod Shuffle when those ads were like were happening. I would actually download those songs. They were really good songs. They found like the perfect artist and the perfect track for the energy that you would get when you're putting in your your now AirPods if you have AirPods and just play music. I love them. Apple has always been genius at marketing, and I think especially when they were dealing with these music-centric products, they knew, okay, we're selling in a visual medium. We're selling, you know, dance is always selling a feeling, and commercials are always selling a feeling. So we're selling this through dance and through a video, and we can integrate selling our music in this as well. It's a brilliant formula and just a masterclass in how to integrate different levels of what you're trying to offer. But before we deep dive into Apple, because we are going to talk about a few Apple ads, we're going to take it way back. We're going to go to the 90s, and we are going to talk about the khaki swing ad from The Gap. And in discussing that, the other amazing works within The Gap film oeuvre. So... Hannah and Claire, what do you think about these Gap commercials that are so iconic? Yeah, I mean, again, trip down memory lane and kind of a bit of a time warp, too, especially with the Khaki Gap ad, because we see these dancers dressed in kind of very, like, very late 90s, early 2000s-esque Gap style, but they're performing things straight out of Bob Fosse, like straight out of Rich Man's Frog. So... So, you know, someone from, you know, it's an ad from the 90s that's referencing someone from the 60s that we're now watching in the 2010s. So, again, there's like a very interesting time warp going on. And I think that part of that intent was to show something that's timeless or something that can be excellent in many different eras. 
When I think of The Gap, I, well, besides I'm an actual person that buys Gap clothing, I'm not ashamed of it at all. But, you know, <laughs> I, I think about how comfortable their fabric is or just their clothes in general. And I think this is a great way of showing that khakis have movement to them. The fabric is flexible. It's easy to move around in. And not that it's just timeless, but it's a classic. I'm not someone that loves khakis. I do have a pair of Gap, Gap khakis, but, you know, they're just like a staple in your wardrobe. And this definitely shows that with even with the go-go. Um, there's like a go-go one where they're jumping around and all of that. And that kind of style is classic for its time and it's classic all year round all decade, all century. <laughs> no joke. The two main words that I wrote down watching this commercial were timeless and classic because it does successfully do both. It's trying to be very current and like cool at any time, you know, because Fosse and, and jazz, you know, that's like the epitome of cool. And of course there's a practical element of like, you can move in these. These are like not your old boring office cubicle khakis like you can do a lunch date in these khakis they're fun khakis they're cool khakis and gap is a brand that does sell classic like simple basic items like good staple items like capsule wardrobe like very kind of like a j crew or a banana republic or like even uh, like a unique clothes. but these all have different flavors or tones to them and i just think it's interesting that gap has chosen over the years to include dance in their marketing. And we could talk, like this whole episode could honestly be about the different Gap commercials, but we've chosen to highlight two. And I just want to kind of fast forward to more recently, the commercial that features Lil Buck. So, you know, we've discussed a lot of Lil Buck's films over the past season and a half because honestly, I think he's a living legend, you know. First of all, I just want to say I recommend, since we last talked about his films at length, the show Move on Netflix has come out and season one, episode one is actually about him and John Boggs and it's just fascinating. So definitely add that to your Netflix queue. But let's talk about this Gap ad that he did. What did you two find when you were watching this? Like, what, what's your feedback on this one? I found this one and yeah, Little Buck and Miles Yacht in this little snippet. I think it's a part of a campaign where they went to a museum and they were working with kids and just kind of playing around with movement. I guess Gap was this big sponsor of it. But for the past couple of years now, like Gap has been really, really grasping onto people and basically celebrating the individuality of who they are, like celebrating you and your body and inclusivity of everyone. And I think with this particular ad, I'm doing air quotes when I do that because <laughs> it really comes off as a like a beautiful just duet between the two. And I'm very impressed with Miles Yacht with his movement mirroring Lil Buck very well. I mean, trying to keep up with a master, seriously. Yeah, seriously. And for this time that we're living in with like Black Lives Matter and also like the hashtag stop the Asian hate and just trying to like being 
really aware of a platform elevating those voices and showing this styling of dance that you don't normally see. I mean, with like hip hop shonen ads, it's kind of like campy in a way. Like I think of those old Navy dance ads that use hip hop. Or like kids breakfast commercials. That's like a whole subgenre of commercials that have yeah. hip hop in yeah. them. And with this emotional piece, like, I mean, with Lil Buck, it's like hip hop with like contemporary. So it's like way different kind of language. So it really, it's an emotional gap ad. Like the only thing I could say that's gap about it is that they're in a plain space. Gap ads are always in this like weird Mm -hmm. limbo or warehouse space Mm -hmm. and they're wearing gap clothes. And I could only say the other thing that's gap it's like in a new blank Word or Google Doc. They're yeah. Like in a completely blank space, except for some basic structural element that the dancers stand on. Yeah, and I think that that also adds to the classic timeless quality of the ads, too, in that it doesn't feel like this ad is locked in time. It feels like it's on a continuum that's just going to keep going and going. Yeah. But with this one in particular, it was interesting because, and we'll link the longer version of the show notes, but it exists both as a 30-second TV ad and as a longer film, basically, on the internet. And that's something that the digital age has really allowed as far as how far some of these companies can extend the idea that they're trying to sell or the idea they're trying to communicate or the movement they're using to do that, too. I will say, though, this ad left me wanting more. There's some of these ads where I'm like, wow, this is like a mini musical. This is amazing. And even compared to many of the other Gap ads I saw, this is almost riding on Miles and Lil Buck's like, talent too much because their movement is so amazing. But they each wear one outfit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the movement is so precise. And it to me, it doesn't seem, unless the sound is done in post, Maybe it's all improv, but it seems to have structure and be choreographed. I wonder if they could have done multiple takes and like match cut and have them change outfits throughout or something. Because at the end of the day, if Gap has a whole bunch of clothes they're trying to sell, why not try and show more clothes? So I think from a from a critical perspective, watching that ad, I'm like, wow, this could be so much more. You have such talent here. You're already making this thing. Let's let's make it even better. But anyways, another ad that is clothing oriented that features a famous dancer is the Under Armour ad campaign with Misty Copeland. I was just briefly talking to Claire earlier about this. I mean, with Under Armour, they're always focusing on athletes, athleticism. Also, again, this is like what I was saying with The Gap. It's celebrating individuality. And in this case, Misty Copeland is a ballet dancer. We don't usually see that as often until as of recent years that we're getting sprinkled in more dance, quote unquote, again, air quotes, athletes. <laughs> well, and I think gymnastics has helped that. If it weren't for Olympic gymnastics, and I don't think that dance would be taken as seriously as a sport. Side note. I agree with that. And I, I also think Misty Copeland, just in general in recent years, just becoming this big icon in the dance community, which is great for everyone. And 
especially the dance community in a broader sense, because that is just not celebrated in that way as often as other things like Derek and Juliana Huff, you know, like yeah. we see them and then we see Misty Copeland. It's like two, two different kinds of dance. And with this, it's just like, I'm wearing Under Armour and you can too. And you can be as like flexible or as talented and dream big, as big as I can, you know? Well, and there, there's a couple additional layers to Misty as well. Of course, she's a black ballerina. And Cascadia, year one, we screened A Ballerina's Tale, the documentary that she produced with Nelson George about, you know, kind of the early years of her career. And so she does interview and feature Raven Wilkinson, you know, but in general, they're just the fact that you even have to name few examples means that there aren't enough examples and there isn't enough representation. So for her, there's the added layer of like, wow, here's a black ballerina representing ballet on top of that. And in the ads, she's not wearing tights all the time, or I don't know if she's wearing tights any of the time. And the fact that you're seeing her presented in this two piece and in a way that's not hypersexualizing dance, you know, this is something I'm really passionate about when it comes to children and teens. And it's part of why I never really wanted to pursue dance as a professional career is my own issues with how dance instantly gets hypersexualized. So yeah. I just love how this ad is also elevating ballet as a sport in addition to an art, making ballet accessible and inviting in this whole population saying, we see you and you're welcome and you can be a big star at this as well. So these ads are, I think, looking back are going to be really emblematic of a generation. And I mean, the fact that, you know, Misty herself is I don't know if this is necessarily relevant, but like the, Misty herself has, you know, designed lines for Under Armour and has designed lines that kind of stretch out of the typical ballet confines and really expand on it. It shows that like she is someone who's transcended any any notion of an institution of American ballet and that she really is. I mean, if you name one one ballet dancer, you it, or if you have to name one ballet dancer, you're probably naming Misty Copeland unless you're like totally into into the art like it's probably going to be misty and i think these ads are something that pushes that narrative forward too well and this is an interesting case of an ad sort of having the star power of a known dancer but sometimes you know let's, let's take a little diversion off of ads that we love and take seriously and enjoy and let's call attention to a, a particular subgenre of dance commercials which is when we have Ads featuring dance or quote-unquote dancers, yet the models or actresses or models or actors aren't quite trained. So, Claire, do you want to tell us something about this? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, so about 2014, Free People, which is sort of the... It's a luxury brand of some sort. Luxury brand that you'll find at like Urban Outfitters or something. Millennial pseudo shabby chic. So they decided to release a campaign featuring balletically inspired pieces and they hired someone who, okay, maybe based on their physicality alone. And I guess I don't want to reduce it to the frame alone, but I mean, that's basically why they picked this dancer. (laughs) That's basically why they picked this model. May look like a dancer, but then you see her move and it's just, and anybody who has any, you know, tangential relationship with ballet just needs eye bleach after watching it. And just, I, I mean, honestly, it's kind of a miracle she didn't break a foot on the point shoes that she has. But it kind of reinforces this idea that when 
you see dance used in ads that don't work. It's usually dance is either used as an idea at best and as a joke at worst. I feel like this ad is more dance is influencing the clothing or dance influenced the clothing because it does look like ballet garb, you know, what you would wear when you're warming up. And she wears it well, but she doesn't perform in it well at all. Right, right. The two things that bother me the most about this ad are one, as you alluded to, the lack of safety. You don't just go in point shoes. You don't. You need to be trained. You need ankle strength. And even then. (laughs) And even then. So that's just irresponsible and unsafe. And two, it was written well. The voiceover was actually convincing. The voiceover was more convincing than the visual representation of dance. And I think that's where I'm the most baffled is it's like, okay, you're hitting on all these other levels and you couldn't just cast a dancer. Right. Like we're not that hard to find. Exactly. And there are plenty of dancers who are looking for work out there, but that have agents that would do it. I mean, yeah, just a bad call. At the time, there was a huge uproar on Facebook and on all the social media channels from dancers who were like, oh, you know, why don't they just hire another? Why don't they actually hire a real trained ballet dancer? And I actually read a comment from a former professor of mine who said, well, you see this uproar of all these dancers critiquing, rightly so, this, you know, form that's done incorrectly. This goes the other way so many times. Like, what about, you know, ballet dancers who might take, like, you know, two weeks of flamenco for a a part or maybe do, like, a semester of African dance and then feel that they're qualified to incorporate elements of that into their choreography? It really, in a way, it was a way to hold up a mirror to ballet saying, like, okay, you see this, this isn't okay. Well, this happens all the time in this form. Yes, ma'am. Otherwise, for those dancers that actually did get hired for an ad, Burberry has some really great ads that definitely play it on a classic. I mean, Burberry as a brand is classic. I mean, we keep bringing that up as a word because these are iconic brands that have been around for quite a while. And Burberry being a London brand has a very particular style in all of their ads, not just in their fashion, but like there's a play of, I mean, always using that print, this iconic scarf print and the trench coat, but also just using like London as a, as in landscape or even just using architecture, even if it's on a stage of some sort, and then using faces that are recognizable or using songs that are recognizable. Singing in the Rain is a perfect example that came out last year where they're using the song Singing in the Rain and just making an update of it, but using giant hail (laughs) or snow icebergs dropping down instead of rain. (laughs) Which is very, you know, very typical London, honestly. (laughs) But I think my favorite short, my favorite one is probably the holiday ad from London with Love that features little Beckham. But not because it features him, but that's that's the one. Because I think to me it, and I don't know if you two have been to Harrods, 
But yes. like Herod's at Christmas time is so magical, right? Oh, so yeah. it's like this feels like that in video form, like it just encapsulates it. I mean, that's something that's so satisfying about video is you create this world and you capture it. And this really is a prime example to me of like what we were talking about with Gap, but almost on like an elevated, like a like a designer, more bougie, like high budget level where it's like the classic item. And it's a way for this designer brand that has like a really, you know, otherwise not crazy different look to differentiate themselves as a brand and be memorable. And I think it totally works with these ad campaigns. And it's really interesting seeing the two ad campaigns juxtaposed against each other as well, because we see one that's very much like the Herod's dream Christmas of London, which is very much, you know, if you ever need a reason to spend December in London, it's usually it's Christmas because it's I mean, Christmas really starts at the beginning of November in London. But the other London is like very much like East London, Hackney, very, I hesitate call calling it like not quite what, you know, Burberry may have marketed at, in its earlier days. But I felt that the singing in the rain was a way of showing that, you know, Burberry can be worn. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, confined to like Piccadilly Circus or that area of London. It can be, worn by people, people in Hackney, by people in Southeast, by people in like the, I guess, <laughs> going more inside London, like in all the like zone nine of the tube, for instance, <laughs> that it doesn't have to be um, that it's a way of saying like, you know, we are, I don't want to say like we're for everyone, but we're, you know, not just for, for Herod's at Christmas time. We could be for you today. Exactly. And we're sure going to try and make you believe that you're one of the select few. <laughs> precisely precisely but yeah it's great to see ads that use dance in such an integrated way but there's really as we mentioned at the beginning apple is one brand that i feel has integrated dance to such a degree that it is part of the brand identity like you see the iconic silhouettes of dancers in motion with the you know with the earbuds hanging down like that's very much a part of the brand I mean, I think Apple in general definitely shifted our ways of just using dance with digital video effects more. And as we said, the silhouette, like they are not just silhouetted, they are blacked out. Like they look like literally mm -hmm. just like someone took their image on a green screen and then basically just put everything low and made them into, yeah, a silhouette and using the white, iconic white earbuds. And at the time, all of their gadgets were just plain white. And that made it really stick out against in the Shuffle commercial. It's green. I think in the Bono one, they're like orange or something. Like the background is orange. Like it's all just playing this like colorful world. And also in the recent ads, we have like the AirPods where we're switching literally on and off the these are the the airpod pros where it's literally like a suction into your yeah. ear and it, it they're noise canceling so what is so great about that ad featuring flume their music and going in and out of the city you know she like puts the noise canceling on and it's like pitch black and there's neon lights so like you're in this 
other world. And I think that's what Apple is trying to do with all of their music or sound focused products with HomePod, including like you're entering this other world because that's what music does. It transforms you into a place that is maybe non-existent, but maybe nearby at the same time. Totally. I think that is exactly what these ads are doing. And with certain devices as well, like specifically the Shuffle or the AirPods, they're almost feeding you this physical cue or choreography. You know, like the iPod Shuffle, you act, it, it actually had this cool feature at the time of like you shake the device to make it respond. Like that wasn't always a thing you could do with your MP3 player or your Walkman. In fact, if you shook your Walkman or your Discman, like, you know, not <laughs> not to be uh, gender rigid, but that's what they were called. Um, you know, like, you couldn't do that before. So this was like a cool new feature. And I think that's what we have to remember as we're looking at these these ads is how iconic they were at the time. And just each one, there's some signature that highlights the cool feature of that. So like the iPod shuffle and then even just the one, two, three, four ad. The video itself, the Feist video uh, choreographed by Noemi LaFrance, that on its own as a music video, which I think we've talked about it. Didn't we talk about that on season we one? We briefly talked about, oh, well, we my definitely moon, talked my about My Moon, My Man, and then uh, a shout out to One, Two, Three, Four. Yes. So like that one, just the video on its own was really iconic and had this whole idea of like rainbow and multicolor. So it was really just this coming together of cool culture at the time. And I know that I instantly, after that iPod shuffle ad came out, I changed my MSN display picture to like the girl with the pleated flare skirt and the green <laughs> backdrop. Like oh immediately. Gosh. Yeah, throwback. Hey, I still have my iPod and it is the video one. So I did oh not, gosh. I did not download that music video, but that one, like, I mean, it definitely resonates with me to this day. It hit us all at, at a very sensitive age. And one thing I want to say before we like divert away from Apple is another kind of subgenre or like trend that we see with commercials that feature dance are actual. And they tend to be tech-oriented, but, like, actual items that feature a physical integration. So, like, flip phones or, like, sidekicks, like, phones that slide. Or, like, Savion Glover did, like, a, a fridge commercial where you wave the foot underneath and he's a tap dancer. So, like, there's just – there's so many different rabbit holes you can go through when it comes to dance and commercials. And I'm just so thrilled that we are, like, picking a sampling today. It's so hard to limit it, but we do need to move on to our, our kind of general questions about it, you know? Well, the way that we've been seeing dance used in these commercials, even in the Free People ad, dancing had a reason for it to be there. And, but there are other times when maybe it doesn't make quite as much sense. And sometimes that works, sometimes that really doesn't work. Let's actually start with the other way. Like, when would dance not make sense to be used in an ad. Let me ask you this. Do you think it worked in the Kenzo perfume ads? I think it absolutely worked in the Kenzo perfume ads. This is what I have to say. I think it's great. I love that video. I haven't watched it in a while until we were bringing up this topic for the discussion for today. And I sit there and I go, 
I can't remember if Kenzo is a perfume or if it's a dress brand. Because the, the whole time you could think it's just a, another clothing brand commercial. Because she's wearing a, a very iconic green dress. And then you get to the very end and she jumps through this giant floral arrangement. Which actually turns out to be the shape of the perfume bottle. Now, I am not a fragrance head. There are people out there that are. But who would know? Who would know that this is a fragrance ad until the very bot the very end and then this is my conspiracy thing where i think <sighs> that you know i mean spike jones love him he was the person behind the curtain for this ad i think kenzo was just you know the sponsor they're like do whatever you want we'll pay for it but we want somehow to have Kenzo as a representation in it and there's no place in that film where you think that she's gonna hold a perfume bottle and spray it on her I mean most perfume bottles don't really show something until the very end when I'm like thinking of like the J'adore Dior commercials or Chanel number no. five with the iconic Charlize Theron but in this case it is a floral arrangement at the very end well, it reminds me of, like, the Activia ad that Ben Brion directed that features Ingrid Silva, where there is no yogurt in this. Exactly. And I've screened it as a legit short film. Like, literally any time I have a first-time audience, I screen this because I cr- cry every time. It's brilliant. And it's just good filmmaking. And I think it's exactly what you said, Hannah. It's just a company understanding that the purpose of their ad is to get attention. Yeah. hmm if it's going to be better for them to just make a cool video and throw their logo on it at the end or just reference it or maybe not even reference it, yeah, then that's going to be a great way to get publicity and to stand out. And at the end of the day, that's the goal because there's so much noise to cut through. And if they're going to throw a ton of money at something, might as well be something artistic or crazy or conversational, which this definitely was. And I think a big theme throughout this video is sort of this deconstruction of the high end or this deconstruction of luxury because, I mean, we see the dancer who, you know, this is young Margaret Qualley who, for those of you who don't know, played Anne Ranking in the Fosse Verdon show on FX. It's presenting a very non, at least if you were to think perfume ad, yeah, this would not be the first thing that would pop into your mind is the perfume ad. It does represent a sense of rebellion and a sense of wild that is deviating from what you typically see. And honestly, like like you said, I don't wear perfume. I would not shell out $100 to buy a bottle of perfume. But I guess if I had to choose in a life or death scenario, one bottle to buy in my life, like I might go with that. <laughs> You're like, I recognize this one, so I'll get it. And yeah, it's funny like, because that's actually how advertising works. It is, we, us humans, like the power of repeated impressions and just wearing down your defenses can go a long way. Mm-hmm. And my defenses are worn after watching that ad. <laughs> now, next question. When do we draw the line between dance and these campaign ads? Because... There are some ads out there that definitely use movement. I'm 
that just don't need to be present. I mean, we did say that free people definitely failed, but we could talk about the Grubhub commercial that is oh. just like animated and weird and everyone has a belly in that video. Okay, the Grubhub commercial. I lit- I didn't see it until I went I was watching on YouTube this video that was like why people hate corporate art styles so much. And we're going to link it in the description in the show notes because it's fascinating. And it included this Grubhub video and I was like I don't understand why apparently people were so enraged about it. But to me, it is definitely something that was created in like a marketing lab. It's like, oh, people love to see animated people because honestly, if you show real people, then there's judgments. There's like a bias. There's, you know, we're exposed like social media decreases empathy, increases aggression, anxiety and depression. So people are exposed to so many people already that it's like, okay, if we have an ad budget, let's just animate a person instead. And I think this is also responding to like TikTok trends and the fact that dance is really popular and like funny dance and gaming and like sports culture that might overlap with Grubhub. So I think it's just an example of like a really silly ad that's not meant to be a serious work of dance art like some of these other ones maybe, or even a serious work of art, but it is an effective selling tool in its own way. I, to- I totally understand like that that intention, but I have a lot of issue with the notion of funny dance. Like what kind of dance do we use for humorous or comedic effect? And another ad that I wanted to bring up, I think much to everyone's chagrin, is the Kia Hamsters ad, which came out in the early 2010s, which is somehow endured as a classic. It was actually referenced in a SNL skit recently about uh, TikTok rappers and how like, what inspired you to start rapping? Oh yeah, the Kia hamsters. <laughs> but it, it also raised a lot of concerns regarding, um, I think we mentioned this in the TikTok episode, but regarding anti-Blackness and specifically movement tied to dance forms that are used for comedic effect or like hyper-stereotyped versions of that form used for comedic effect, which ends up reflecting negatively on the form itself. Absolutely. I mean, ads are always selling not just a product, but a feeling. And I think dance, depending on the, you could almost do a a tree, and maybe this is a project I'll do someday, like a tree looking at like what genre of dance is being used in this ad or in this video, and what is the correlating feeling or vibe that is being sold with it. And hip hop is always appropriated to be like cool or edgy or really hype when it comes to children. Like I mentioned with like anything to do with kids like Old Navy or, you know, breakfast cereal or cookies, like that's all going to milk. That's all going to have like hip hop movement for the most part. And then sometimes you'll see ballet, but usually like you could almost map out what you can expect to be sold based on what genre of dance is included in the video. And it's so true that we get into these tricky territories of appropriation and, you know, misappropriation and just not really kind of missing the mark when it comes to like, okay, we want to show this, but how is it actually coming across at the end of the day? I mean, that's basically marketing in general. I mean, you're working with people that 
just know the broad spectrum of how to get a product out there and not including the community itself. And as the dance community, it's very, very educated and they're not taking that into the idea of putting these kinds of ads out there. And that's why a lot of them are terrible, but <laughs> they are memorable. And that is the problem because they are just so ingrained in our minds. And that's how they succeed. The Kia commercial in particular is actually enshrined at a car museum in Italy that also has, for all you Formula One fans out there, a bunch of Michael Schumacher's old cars. So that fact is terrifying and disturbing and but it has I guess it's endured in some way and I believe that this topic this particular sub conversation of the greater dance film screen dance conversation the dance that we see in commercials I feel like this is a topic we can return to next season and have like a whole list of like well not a million that's exaggerating but have a whole list of like another 15 commercials that we want to talk about. So if you're listening, if there are any legendary commercials that we should talk about, that we should cover on the show that you want us to link to and you want to introduce to us, please send them. We would love to explore more examples of dance in commercials. So I have to ask before we sign off for today. What is, and it doesn't have to be one you talked about, but it could be, what is your favorite dance commercial out there? If you had to pick one. Oh man, that is hard. I'll say that my favorite commercial of all time is a silk ad that features <sighs> DJ Khaled <laughs> and, um, and it's featuring their almond milk. Yeah. It's like drink plants. Pretty, pretty great. I highly recommend it. I don't know. Dance ads? I, I love all dance ads because that's that's what I want to be. I want to make dance commercials with dance in them and normalize it to everyone, but do it in a thoughtful way and not in a BS way. Yeah, it depends on what frame of mind I'm watching the commercial in. If I'm hate watching, I'm probably going to turn on the Kia hamsters. If I'm <laughs> love watching, I'm probably going to turn on something, I mean, like that Kenzo ad or like the Gap ad with Lil Buck. If I am in a um, more, I, guess, I don't want to say more contemplative frame of mind, but if I want to kind of challenge myself to framing a commercial is Dada is art. I would go with the Quiznos sub ads from the mid 2000s that feature those internet sock monkeys because I am still so very confused and very disturbed and very interested into what mind space that was in. And and yes, I think that that film can be interpreted as screen dance. Well, talk about a deep cut, you guys. I mean, I feel like we need to do a whole episode all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I would say my favorite would still be the Ingrid Silva video or something that I originally saw on Screen Dance Collective. Shout out to Hannah. Hannah! <laughs> Which was a commercial for John Lewis Insurance. And it's just this little girl at her house like oh, yeah, destroying everything to Tiny Dancer. And I think our examples today have just shown how dance can elevate these ads. You know, I'm paraphrasing the Fosse phrase, but, you know, people, we, we sing when words are not enough and we dance when singing is not enough, right? So I feel like 
advertisements are trying to cut through so much noise and sell a feeling and sell a product and and really get through to you and be like, we're not trying to sell you anything, even though we're trying to sell you this thing. And dance is a great tool for expression. And sometimes we do see that it's a great way that dance can be made because people are putting money into producing these short form videos. So hopefully uh, you li- if you're listening today, you enjoyed exploring this huge range with us. And as I mentioned, please send us your favorite dance commercials. Thanks for listening. Do you have an event you'd like to share on the show? Click the link in the show notes to find out how. Our final deadline is next week, June 30th, so don't miss out. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at frameformpodcast at gmail.com and engage with us on social at frameformpod. That's frameform, P-O-D. If you like what you're hearing, leave a review and rate the show. It really helps out. And if you know someone who also likes dance or film, join the conversation and bring your friends. Frameform is a production of Rixie, hosted by Hannah Weber, Jen Ray, and Claire Schweitzer. Edited by the Frameform team. Mix and theme song by myself, Mason Carlton. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.